But I really believe more and more that we are not only called to love those people and to help them, but we're called to get to know them, to be in relationship with them, to invite them to our tables. Hey friends, welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast, where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you're going to hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission and community and discipleship. Today's episode is from one of our coaching intensives called Made for Mission, where we coach others on how to practically live out the command of Jesus to go and make disciples in our Western context. So if you want to learn more about A Thousand Houses or check out some of our resources, visit one kh. Hey guys, I'm back with my friend Joe Long, and we want to talk to you guys about the topic of going places you would never go um, to do evangelism. So I want to let Joe talk about that. I want to talk a little bit about my reaction to when this when he shared this with me recently, and then I want to dive into this. But yeah, Joe, what, what how how do you how do you think about this this area? I think we all probably need to go to Uganda. <laughs> and that's actually not it. But a lot of people do think that that's and right. that is a worthy place. Don't get me wrong. But this is a little bit more local. So yeah. the idea is, is when I think about evangelism, I know that this wasn't my original thought, but it stuck with me. And it is to do it where you are all the time, or as Jesus said, as you go, <laughs> mm, yeah. heal the sick, cast out demons, do all these things. So the places where you live, where you work, where you play, and also where you'd never go or almost never go otherwise. Hmm. And so it's, if you're, you know, middle-class uh, American family, there are some poorer parts of your cities or maybe just the city itself, because you're in the suburbs, that you wouldn't normally find yourself intentionally. You yeah. might be there for some other reason. And so I think that there's a really important component to being around different people, people that are different than you, you know, it breaks down the fears that we have first and foremost, because we think, well, so that person is different than me. Obviously I should be scared of them. Hmm. Um, what you'll find is people are people for the most part. Yeah. And it also, for me, Jeremy, it really re-breaks my heart for what mm -hmm. breaks God's heart. You know, Luke 15 is this amazing example where Jesus is being harassed by the Pharisees because he's hanging out with sinners. And his answer is this amazing, epic three-story thing. I hope he did it back to back to back. I don't know. Yeah. But it's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son or the prodigal son. And it reminds me that his heart is always longing for the people furthest from him, mm. for yeah. that sheep that leaves. Yeah, that's that son that goes, you know, the coin that can't be found. And so hmm. those are those places typically. Not only there's as lost people as anywhere in your suburban neighborhood. Don't get me wrong. Right. But as I like to say, like in my city in Covington, it's a lot more urban. Yeah. Those people walk by my front door and I can hear them screaming at each other. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so um being able to engage hmm. in those spaces, I think, is really vital. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that why this struck me, Joe, when you said it was because we do live in a hyper sort of uh, segregated culture, um, uh, especially socioeconomically. 
like you were describing. And I, I live in a town that's, you know, you know, fairly middle to middle upper class. There's very little um, poverty. You don't see homelessness here. Um, there are broken people here, like you said, but, but there, but people, wherever you decide to buy a house, you know, probably 90% of Americans are going to buy a house that are, that's contiguous to people that are kind of in their same income bracket and right. zoned our land that way, which is, I think, super unfortunate. Cause if you guys go back to any other time in history, whether it's villages or even even the cities of 100 years ago, they were not zoned that way. And so right. you could not protect yourself endlessly in gated communities or in nicer areas from the brokenness that's around you. And so I think this is more important than ever. If, if, there, if there's not in your life a rhythm of going to where you would never go, I don't think that you're going to find yourself naturally going there, right? right. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of what I realized when you said that. I was like, man, you can't expect this is just going to happen on accident. And then right. you ask, well, is this for everyone? Is this something, is this really in the heart of God? And I love, you know, those three stories, like you described, Jesus talked about seeking and saving the lost. So there, there is a part of evangelism and outreach that is about going places. Um, even if you're, you know, even if you are um, not going across, you know, the, an ocean, why not go someplace that you would never go on a regular basis in your own kind of area, but just as maybe... Yeah more broken spot. Yeah, there's a ministry that um, we're fortunate enough to participate in here in my city that has been around for 30 years and they've been feeding uh, people really great stuff that entire time once a month. And we kind of jumped in and wanted to support this ministry. It was just a great example for us of not having to create our own version of something that was already really great. We could partner with these guys. And so the last Saturday of every month, we go to this giant hospital parking lot. And in addition to the people that showing up receiving great big boxes of food, we are the prayer team for mm. those folks. So we get to go to their car and just say, hey, how can we pray for you today? And mm. man, the brokenness that gets unveiled on those Saturday mornings is so deep. I mean, it is everything from I lost my husband last week mm. to I just got out of prison today <laughs> to whatever. I mean, it is all over the map. And I don't know about you, but those aren't stories that I encounter in my circle of faith. Yeah, they just aren't. Um, like we said, there's brokenness everywhere, but some of it is just on the surface. It's not below the surface. Yeah. So being in that space again really does re-break my heart hmm. for the people that I know God's heart is broken for. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. There is kind of this weird, uh, another, I would say, sort of trend that's growing, it seems like in our culture. Uh, maybe, you know, part of this is just our, there's the mega church movement, but I think it's just culture wide, which is sort of you, you gather people by really focusing them on themselves and their needs. So we're going to talk to you about what you need and, you know, your, how you can be the best you and like all this sort of really, how do we pump people up about themselves? And the culture is so in love with that idea. And I think it's really, you know, infected the church in broad ways. There's, you know, obviously good elements to that, but it's sort of like become almost total. Like this is what Christianity is, is to reform you as an individual into the best you and, and, and this, this to me is really a great antidote to that or a balance to that. It seems like you've got to 
we, we exist for others. And like, if we don't see those people, like I just was reading, uh, there's a great quote, I can't remember, um, Francis, uh, can't remember his name, but he, he said, so you say you love the poor, name them, you know? That's right. And yes, so, I've seen that one. That's great. That? Yeah. So it's like, they convicted me again for the same reason. Like, you yeah. don't, you, if you can't name these people, if you don't know them, if you don't have some kind of, if you live in an isolated space and then you, you're not leaving that space on some regular basis. And I love, I love the rhythm of just like once a month. I mean, that's really simple. I'm going to yeah. be with broken people. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that um, what, what also comes to mind as, as you're saying that is that, you know, if we really look at what's littered throughout scripture, there's a big time focus on loving and take care of the poor. Yeah. Huge. Like it is huge. Yeah. And I just remember coming to a realization way too late about that and being like, what's this about? I mean, obviously this is a thing. How do we translate it to 2021 or whenever, you know, we may have realized it. And so, um, and I think that in addition, like you said, if you think you love the poor and name them, I really feel like we are called to do more than be the knights coming in to save the day. Yeah. You know, it, you and I both have been in ministry situations where whether we create that ourselves or it's kind of um, understood, that's what we're doing. You know, we're going to come in on the bus right. from the suburbs and give you some hot food and pat you on the back, you know, and don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. If you're not doing something like that and that's your only option, do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I really believe more and more that we are not only called to love those people and to help them, but we're called to get to know them, to be in relationship with them, to invite them to our tables. You know, what's the difference? It feels so big. I think, oh, can I invite this homeless guy that I've talked to a bunch of time to dinner at my house? Well, what stops me from doing it? A lot of things. And maybe right. some of them are good. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but in a, general, yeah. we need to invite people into those spaces more than we probably think is safe. Yeah. I heard a sociologist say that we're the first people in history that really, instead of fearing the other tribe, we fear each other. We fear each other by economic level. So you're afraid of, you know, middle-class people are afraid of rich people and poor people, poor people are afraid of middle-class people and rich people, you know, rich people are afraid of middle-class people and poor. I was, when he said that, and I started really thinking about like, yeah, that anxiety that starts, like you just said, when you, when you say like invite, it's not just, even if you, somebody said, Hey, invite, invite a really rich person over your house for dinner. You'd probably yeah. Yeah, invite a really poor person <laughs> over your house. It's like we, for different reasons. Yeah. Like we have to be careful of this. Like, like the whole beauty of the gospel of the kingdom is that, it really, it's, it's, it, it crosses all these lines. I mean, this is what Paul was constantly rebuking. He said, he talks about this in first Corinthians 11, like, Hey, even when you get together for a meal, you're, you're separating by poor and rich. James talked about yeah. this too. So that's huge. I, you know, another element that I wanted to, so when I think about this ministry you guys are doing, um, I, I think, I think that for a lot of people, um, when they hear this and they don't have any relationships to people that are poor, they might think that they have to build that network from scratch. And usually what I have discovered, and I'm curious what your thoughts are, is that there, there's a person of peace who's called to be kind of a bridge between the, the sort of people in the kingdom that are maybe outside of that, that group and has already built that bridge and already has those relationships. I'm, I'm, and some of these people aren't necessarily who you, you know, who you come to. Obviously, there are ministries that are very specific, like the one you guys are serving. I'm having a call 
Um, I just had this, I was praying about this this week and I'm calling, I'm having a call with this guy who's the largest landlord in Fort Thomas. Wow. And I just wanted to call him and say, cause I was praying, asking like, God, who are the broken people here? And I, I kept seeing these apartment complexes. So I called the guy who's owning it. I'm just, I just want to talk to him like, what are the needs? Is there something we could do on a regular basis to go in and meet people and, you know, s- fill a need or something? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, like if you, you notice that, like in terms of finding people of peace or people that are the bridges into those networks and those relationships, you know, for somebody yeah. who's like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. Yeah, that's, that's a great thought and question. And I agree with you. There are existing people of peace. Like I was saying before, this other ministry has been going for 30 years. Yeah, that's and right. they have set up this well-oiled machine to give food to people. They're not government funded or anything, and they do a great job. So partnering with people like that, that have already kind of laid the groundwork is really awesome. And it also reminds me, you know, another avenue that has been a great partnership for me personally is uh, addiction recovery. And I really think that, you know, this is, these people are poor as well. Sometimes literally, sometimes a lot more. Um, And there's a ministry here that uh, I'm associated with that is just helping people reset their lives. Literally, they're coming out of addiction, they're coming out of jail, and they're starting over and they're 38 or something like that. And so serving them, like being a part of that ministry for the first probably six months, I just showed up at this Bible study that they did. And I just sat there Mm. and I just was there (laughs) and God called me into more over time. But um, I think that that was a place I would have not normally gone if not for some other existing relationships and people of peace, like you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Those are some good avenues. So yeah, guys, when you think about this, be, do you know people or are there people in your area when you kind of just start to broaden the map out and ask where, where are there centers of brokenness? Are there, are there places where people might congregate? Um, and are there ministries, especially when you say a, like a 30 year ministry, one of the things that, that really strikes me is that, you know, we're called to go and seek the kingdom. And I'm, I'm always really like, you know, sort of struck by that verb. And part of what I feel like that's saying is, Hey, I'm already working. Like you're not bringing the kingdom yourself. There are things happening in and around you. It's really important for you to be aware of those things. And so if there's yeah. a ministry that's been meeting a need for 30 years, um, that's there's a kingdom element there that's really like shining bright. It's it's important not to say, well, that's not my church. That's not my denomination. You know, we didn't start that. Yeah. <laughs> Break those walls down. You know, I mean, kingdom is kingdom. People yes. that love Jesus, we might have some different ways to do it and some things that we wouldn't agree on. But there's a lot we do agree on. You know, like reach out in your area, like the Catholic church has historically been amazing at serving the poor. Yeah. I bet there's a Catholic church in your region that's doing it already. You could just go help them. That's right. Yeah. And then also build a bridge with those others in your city or in your area, build relationships with those kind of people of peace. Well, before I let you go on this one, Joe, uh, one place I would never go is to a karaoke night at a bar. (laughs) But that's apparently you're missing out. (laughs) So, so tell me a little bit about like, how does that work in your life from an evangelism or, yeah. Have you thought about that? Cause I know that's, that's a practice you've, uh, that's a spiritual discipline for, uh, for yeah. who knew that karaoke was a spiritual discipline and maybe it's not, but maybe it is. And so, yeah, I guess one of the things that I've thought about a lot, um, is, you know, we're as Christians, we're pretty good in general at inviting people to our space or on our turf. And we're not as good at, at 
meeting them where they're already congregating. Mm. And so, you know, a question when it comes to um, just being where people are is where are they hanging out? You know, is there a bar in your city where there's always people hanging out and could you go there? Mm. Could you become a regular at a coffee shop where it just seems like there's always a line out the door? Yeah. And so there is a little shotgun bar here in my city that I absolutely love. And on Thursday nights, they have a guy come in with his karaoke machine and people show up and sing. And so I just thought, wow, we should just go there. First of all, because it's super entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and what if we became regulars there? And what would that look like? And so I've just kind of been gathering small groups of people. You don't want to like bring 20 people to, to a place like this because then you'd be the dominant force and that's too much. But just two or three. And just showing up and every now and then actually singing a song. It's not required, but there's <laughs> something crazy that happens when you sing a song in front of a stranger. Mm. All of a sudden, you are not really strangers anymore because you've decided to be vulnerable yeah. in a really interesting way. And man, I've seen walls just come down mm. and I've seen other people sing and say, I just want to say, this has changed my life because I did something vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And uh, next thing you know, you know, they're singing a song and they're walking off and we're all high-fiving. I never, I don't know, even know the guy's name yet, mm -hmm. but there's some sort of connection. Um, and so this idea, like I said, it's very simple, but I think that there's something to it. And with that same idea that if we are people that love Jesus, and we are filling our tank with him and being formed by him. When we're at the karaoke bar, we're not going to have seven beers and fall down and have a terrible image made about us. We're going to people that going to be the people that overtip our servers. Mm. And we're going to be the people that buy a drink for somebody else just because we want to love on them, mm. you know, as Jesus would. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the karaoke thing is still new and it's fun, but, uh, yeah, I think there's all kinds of spaces for people to think about where are people already hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea that I think a big part of this is, yeah, th that idea that they have to come to us. Like yeah. we, we will only share the gospel with you. If you, you can't imagine how intimidating that is to somebody who's never been in a church or never come yeah. to a Bible study. Um, and so, you know, Jesus, he was out there. This is kind of what he did. He, he spent a lot of time, and, you know, we, we follow a pretty radical rabbi and I, mm -hmm. I love that idea. And yeah, I, I'm excited. I don't know what that looks like in, in other contexts. Maybe I'll sing karaoke. I don't know. I, I would, <laughs> that does feel really vulnerable. <laughs> well, it's like you were even saying, it doesn't have to be super vulnerable. It can be yeah. like, you know, I go and play pickleball yeah. at this, you know, public court every yes. Wednesday night. And I've been there enough that I'm kind of familiar. And I start to have conversations with some people and just let Jesus come out of me naturally. Yes. That's where people are already congregating and doing stuff. Yeah. And they, you know, so it's another you know, great example. One of the things I just started paying attention to is anytime I'm in public, I just try to notice when it feels natural to have a conversation or a connection with a stranger. And like, I, that's, I discovered that when I was going to pickleball, you know, people would always come up and say, Hey, could you guys you want to play doubles with us? And then we would talk afterwards. And I was like, that's actually really rare. There's only, there's not a lot of places in society where people just let their guard down and have a natural conversation with strangers. And we yeah. should be at those places. Like, let's pick up those hobbies. That's a that's an awesome you know opportunity. Plus, it's fun. It is. Yeah, <laughs> do what you, you love. Know, the goal like... is 
the goal is not to like, oh man, if I get to know Jim, uh, I can invite him to church. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but like, I don't really want to talk about church. Yeah. Like I want to talk about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and right. so maybe Jim and I can like get a beer one time or have lunch someday and just get to know each other a little more after we've been in this shared space enough. Yeah. And who knows what it'll lead to. Yeah. That's really good. Awesome. Hey, um, Joe, as we kind of conclude this one, um, I just want to, I just kind of felt led to ask if, cause I, I just, I think a lot of people that are going to be watching this are going to feel anxiety, you know, about this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is something about pushing past those barriers. So I don't know if you'd be willing just to pray real briefly for, for people listening to this. Cause this, I feel like, yeah, that you've been pushing through this barrier a lot. And I think that's a, there's an impartation there that, that I need, that we need from that, from you and this area. Yeah. I'd love yeah. to do that. Yeah. So uh, Jesus, we thank you for this amazing invitation into more. You're always inviting us into more and you're drawing us out of our homes and out of our comfort zones into new growth. So I just pray right now for everyone that's listening, that, that you would just break their heart for a person. Maybe a person that they've seen walking down the street. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone that they work with that doesn't know you yet. Would you break their heart and would you show them how you see that person? Mm -hmm. Would you show them how you see them, which is like the prodigal son or the lost sheep that is just waiting to be loved and embraced. And I just break down uh, any shame or any fear that stands in the way, any whispers of the enemy that would try to say, you're introverted, you can't do this. <laughs> this is just for other people. We just say that that's a lie. Mm-hmm. And we just ask for opportunities to naturally step forward into relationship with the people that need you most, Jesus. So yeah, give us opportunities, uh, help us to learn how to love people more and differently, but we can't do it without you, Lord. So we just ask that you would intervene right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Sweet. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. This is fun. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you and you're feeling a yearning to learn how to make disciples in the West, we just want to invite you to join our Made for Mission Coaching Intensive, where we combine online content and personal coaching that's going to provide you with the teaching and the tools and the encouragement that you need to actually see disciples made in your context. So for more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, go to 1kh.org slash made for mission. We'll see you for the next episode.